God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. Well, God bless and welcome to the very first episode of season three of Family Discussion. It is great to be back with you. My name is Marcos Ortega. I'm a pastor in New York State, and I am joined as always by my co-host, Miss Lisa Spencer. Lisa, how are you? I am doing well, Marcos. So tell me, what's been going on these last few months since we recorded? You know, I mean nothing much. You know, we've been hanging out, trying to get rid of COVID. And of course, I'm jesting because, oh gosh, it seems like a whole lot has happened since COVID. (laughs) Listen, where did we leave off? So we left off season two. You know, COVID was kind of doing its thing. It was doing its thing. It was doing its thing. Things were shut down. Mm -hmm. Things opened up. Um you know, it's not fully, but, you know, there's still restrictions, but it's, you know, it's not like it was. We're right. still watching it. We have the, you know, the school thing, and, you know, which I know affects you. In a terms little bit. Of, yeah, just a little bit in terms of figuring out how the school's going to work and people are trying to figure out, you know. We thought, you know, this was going to be uh, like, you know, a couple months, a done deal, and here we are, you know, months later, and we're still dealing with that. And on top of that, a little incident happened. <laughs> little incident? Little, little incident. incident. Oh, goodness. In, yeah, back in May uh, with George Floyd. Yeah. And that just seemed to have lifted the roof off everything mm-hmm. and so lisa what we're going to do is something that i think we may have intentionally avoided initially um mm-hmm. in the first couple seasons because i think we were going to get there in season two till covid totally derailed season two for us um we're going to spend really the entirety of this season talking through issues issues of social justice um particularly issues of ethnicity and race, but we're going to talk about social justice as a whole as well and, and touch on other issues of economics and, and um, other social justice issues that show up. But, you know, Lisa, I think we both hesitate to go into this topic because it is so divisive. It is so, um, it is such a difficult place to, to get into reasoned, loving conversation. Mm-hmm. What have been some of what? What is kind of your hesitation to this? I can share mine in a minute, but why? Why has this been a topic that we both kind of shied away from a little bit? You know, because again, it's the the polarization that has occurred around this conversation 
in that we are very, and you know, thanks to social media, I mean, you know, love it, hate it, but I think in social media, just the way that it has shaped conversation, mm. I, you know, I should put that in air quotes, conversation, because yeah. a lot of times we're not having conversation. Nah, we're just yelling at each um, other. And we just have to admit, you know, we just have to admit that as, as much as social media has been instrumental in connecting us to others, it also has contributed to dehumanization mm. um, of the other person. So what we're doing is we are conversing, and I use that term loosely, you know, we're exchanging, you're having exchanges with others based on ideology, based on, and even based on where we think they stand. You mm. know, like we can really sum up the whole of what somebody believes based on 280 characters. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, and so we have to recognize that is, you know, as much good as social media has done, it's also, it's also contributed to, you know, this, you know, to, to a dehumanization of how we interact with one another. And so what's happened is you have you have these these camps formed around this issue. They are you know on one in one camp there's the social justice warrior, you know, and of course that's a term that's really pegged by the opposition. Yeah, um, we don't call saying, ourselves you know, those that. Those who are right, you are you know you're if you are in the social justice camp, and never mind if you have nuances about that, mm-hmm. right? It's like if you, and it's gotten to the point where, you know, if you even mention, you know, in some cases, if you even talk about race, about racial issues, about racial justice, and all of a sudden, you're in the social justice camp. And, but then on the flip side, I see on the other, that those who push back against, you know, against these issues, and it may not be because they are, you know, they are racist or because they are, um, you know, live in this Christian bubble that doesn't want to address social issues. Sometimes there are legitimate concerns. Mm-hmm. And I know I have, and, and, and our audience will hear, you know, me express some of those concerns. Yeah. But because we are so, we have have done this, this quick labeling, this mm-hmm. swift and almost lazy assessments about people and that we define them we define folks based on where we think that they are in you know into into these boxes that we've created and yeah. that's really created a lot of hostility mm-hmm. it's created a lot of polarization uh, and it has broken down conversation right because once because because really what happens is you look at you're tending to look at that other person as the enemy but not only that, not not my enemy, but an enemy of Christianity, right? So if I think, so if I'm in, in this category here where I think social justice is another gospel, which, you know, you know, in some cases it is. I will admit, we'll, you know, that we'll, we'll have this conversation later on in the season. Yeah. In some cases it is, but because we're not wanting to be nuanced about it and, you know, we do this with labeling. You know, once I deem you to be an enemy of Christianity, which in some cases that's how people are treated. Um, once I, 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 I see you as an enemy to the cross, which 
in in some cases, and I would say a lot of cases, that's not even that's not even the case. It's just that people have taken a particular position, what as it relates to how we interact in the world. You know, how do we how do we care for how do we operate Christianly in this world? And there are some who have you know gravitated towards certain ideologies that says okay this is ex this is an acceptable way for a christian to live in this world now you know whether it's right wrong consistent with biblical ethics you know we'll get into that but because we are so you know because the folks are so quick to make these judgments then you know once you get lumped into that like you're, you're preaching another gospel you are, you know, you're not being biblical. Once you've labeled somebody that, mm. then it's really easy to dismiss them. Yeah. And it's on the flip, it's on, it, and I see it on the flip side too. You know, for those who are really, you know, very uh, uh, staunchly, uh, you know, in the social justice camp, to look at people that have concerns, they may, you know, vote Republican, um, that, you know, that any pushback is deemed as an enemy of Christianity. Oh, and because by the way, look at the history yeah. of this country. You know, you're just you're just like the segregationist in you know in in Jim Crow, which you know a lot of times sometimes that is the case, but sometimes it's like people have legitimate concerns right. about biblical fidelity. You know, um, and so you know, so what's happened is there is. You know, there are brothers and sisters in Christ who are treating each other not as brothers and sisters in Christ, but as those outside of the camp. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's exactly why I've also shied away from this. Um, this topic is one, you know, I've been writing at Reform Margins now for a little while. Uh, I'm involved in... Uh, in my denomination, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, wanting to encourage our denomination towards greater uh, racial diversity, ethnic diversity, towards um, greater uh, demands for justice as a um, as a denominational stance. Like I, I, I want to move in that direction. Our denomination wants to move in that direction. I'm not I'm not having a fight uphill on that. Like we're trying to to move in a particular direction. And I've spoken about ethnicity and race a bunch of times. I've, I've, I've had these conversations. I've done a lot of the study. I'll be honest, I hate talking about this. Uh, it's just not... I would much rather do a season. Maybe one day we'll be able to. I would much rather sit down and have a conversation about the joys of the gospel, the joys of Presbyterian polity, the joys of congregational worship, the joys of those all those things that I love about being in the EPC. But Man. I also feel a uh, a burden and an obligation to speak to these issues, and that is because we live in a church and in a country that has not ever gotten this right for 400 years. And one of the things that happens, uh, frankly, part of my concern in going into this conversation is I don't want to get labeled. I, I don't want to get labeled. I, I don't want to get put in a position of, oh, well, he is not a, a lover of the gospel. Oh, he is not one that wants to exalt Christ in all things. He is not one who believes in the ministry of the church and the, the outreach of the gospel and discipleship. Um, 
And yet that can so often be the case. We get labeled that if we want to push in this direction. It's, it's made me hesitant because I want to be an effective pastor, but also I want to be loved as a brother in Christ. And I don't like the pushback. Um, that I don't mind the pushback on the issues. I don't like the pushback that ignores the eternal reality that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that's why this podcast for me is somewhat of a safe space. I know that that's... Um, uh, pejorative in some people's eyes, right? But this is somewhat of a safe space for me to speak with somebody that maybe I don't agree with, because we're going to, as we go through the issues, we're going to find the many places that we have disagreements right. or where there's concerns, and yet we still love each other in Christ. We still understand what Christ has done for us, and, and so this this introductory episode really is laying a foundation to say, hey, first things first, right? What is What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 15? that there were matters of first importance, and that was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, the work of Christ has bound us together. We are united to Christ, and as such, we're united to one another. And so I wonder, Lisa, as we step into this, and we talk about this first kind of plank, this first foundation plank of our, um, our union together as brother and sister in Christ, how will this help us move the conversation forward in a positive way rather than in a, a really partisan way? Right. So, you know, we really have to, to give some careful thought about what does it mean? One, what does it mean that we are joined to Christ, right? What does it mean to be in union uh, in Christ? And what does that mean in relationship to one another? So it's, you know... There, there are lines of orthodoxy. There are lines. There are boundaries around Christianity. So we don't want to, you know, sit here and say, you know, have a kumbaya fest and, mm. you know, and, you know, everything. Just, you know, as long as you can believe what you want to believe. You believe in social justice. You don't believe in social justice. Hey, we just, we all love Jesus. I mean, there are parameters. And there are places where I think that there are some lines being crossed. And, you know, that will come out. But I think we really need to give careful thought to all of the work that the Godhead does in terms of our salvation. Okay. Right? Yep. The fact that the Father calls. Mm. Right? He gives them to Christ. I, you know, in John chapter 6, you know, and Jesus is saying, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Yes. And the father, um, and later on, he says that those who come, no one come, he says, no one comes to me unless the father draws him. Yes. It's the work and the, and the work of the Holy Spirit, the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit is involved in that to draw us. Yes. He is the, the drawing. Father, to change, yes. He is the drawing. He changes Amen. our hearts. And not only does he change our hearts. But he baptizes mm. us into the kingdom of God, right? Galatians yes. 3.27. He baptizes us into the kingdom. And through that baptism, we now have the eternal seal yes. of promise. Amen. And we're wanting to undo all of that so quickly because we have these disagreements mm. on matters of social justice. And look, even for those that you know, I would say are, you know, are, are following more of a secular paradigm. And we have, and, you know, and I, I, you know, I've taken some, you know, some very strong 
uh, opposition to that. But even that, even that, I have to ask: Is this a brother or sister in Christ? Yes, Amen. What? Who did? And it goes back to what you know. What G, when Jesus confronted Peter, you know, he said, "Who do men say that I am?" Mm. And then he asked him, "Who do you say that I am?" Yes. And I have to consider: Who do they say Jesus Christ is? And are they putting? their faith and trust in the completed work of Christ. Are they saying in faith alone, in Christ alone? Because sometimes I think our, we're conflating the, um, the sufficiency of the gospel for salvation with the sufficiency of how we live life in yeah. this world. You know, and that can get messy. And here's, what, here's another thing that we need to realize, too. We are fallible. Mm human beings we don't see everything clear we need we do need to have confidence and conviction in what in who god is in you know who, who christ is what he has done for us his all-sufficient atoning work the fact that we will he will come again to judge the living and the dead yeah that we will experience a bodily resurrection and yeah. you know and enjoy god forever you know as he is in our midst and there will be no more pain no more tears, no more suffering, no more death, the final enemy, you know, we, we can have confidence in that, 100% confidence. But when it comes to how we live life in this world, yes, we have what scripture tells us, but it's not like we see everything clearly. Yeah. And especially when it comes when it comes to these issues and how we, you know, being citizens of another kingdom, you know, adhering to an otherworldly paradigm, how that integrates for being witnesses, being salt and light in this world. We're not going to, one, we're not going to agree on, we're not going to see it perfectly. Right. We can have convictions based on scripture, but we're just not going to see it. We need to, we need to allow other people to not see things exactly as we do. And I think if there's anything in these, you know, in, in the way that our discourse is today, there are two characters that I think we really need more of, and that is mercy mm. and humility. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Because, listen, it, this is, um, people have got out of hand to crying cancel culture. Like, it's every time you turn around, somebody's claiming it's cancel culture. But, you know, one of our sisters, Akemini um, Uwan, said this recently. Actually, she said it a little while ago, but she then retweeted it not long ago. I cannot cancel anybody because I was not canceled by the one who can. You know, I, that's a paraphrase. But she's basically saying, listen, this cancel culture thing is not Christian. Because if anybody was going to get canceled by anybody, God has all the rights to cancel us for our sin against his holiness. For the ways that we have um, disregarded his reign in our lives and yet he shows us mercy again and again and again who are we not to show mercy to others right um and, and here's here's where union with christ leads to communion with one another right mm -hmm. the reason why we are striving towards unity even in a situation here where there's disagreement is because our communion with one another is blood bought we don't get to cancel one another we don't get to kick one another out of the kingdom. We didn't get ourselves in in the first place. We don't get to kick one another out. And and I, you know, this is one of the first passages that ever gripped me as a teenager was Ephesians four. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling to you, that you have received. What does it mean to be worthy of the calling? That's verse 1. I want you to be worthy of the calling. So verse 2 describes what it means to be worthy. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So these become hallmarks of what it is to live worthy of the calling to which we've been called by God. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. That unity has been purchased by Christ. It exists whether we live into it or not. But we are in rebellion against our Savior if we don't try and live into that unity. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, I mean, I we ha- will understand in our conversation, unity and uniformity are not the same thing. Right. But the unity we have with one another is something to be jealously guarded. Mm-hmm. We, we cannot allow even a contentious conversation like this to pick away at the unity we have with one another because of our union with Christ. Right. And here's the thing. We are naturally inclined towards division. Yes. Right. Because we still have that, you know, the, the you know, uh, Adam's, you know, uh, stuff is still pulsing through our veins. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, you know, we are more inclined towards self-interest, towards self-protection, towards, you know, to our tribal, you know, affiliations. Uh, we're more inclined to division. So how much more? Do we need to make an effort to see where can we unify? And at the end of the day, it might be that we're saying, hey, I know who you say Jesus is, but what you're saying right now is contrary to what the word of God says. And sometimes you need to be able to tell people that. And, you know, and there are lines. But at the but we need to make every effort. Yes. Every effort. To, you know, to to embrace the unity that is there that should be there and that requires us thinking best of one another that requires mm-hmm. us not labeling one another not name calling um yeah we we can we can disagree we can even lovingly criticize in a loving way like i don't even know if criticize is the right word but we can we can critique or we can we can mm-hmm. ask for more clarification on things but we cannot ever get to the place where we start saying, oh, well, that's, you know, you're teaching a false gospel. That's heresy. That's, no, 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 no. Hold on. Pull the reins back. Yeah. This is a family member. Let's talk as family members. Let's have, right. well, hey, a family discussion. Um, and, and I mean, listen, it's funny because for season three, right, we've clapped like right onto that third rail of Christian conversation, which is race and social justice. Um, but here's, here's why I'm often asked, or I'm sometimes asked, why should Christians care about this? Why should we be involved? Shouldn't we just be about preaching the gospel, which is about justification, substitutionary atonement, um, the saving of sinners from hell and death? Um, shouldn't we just be doing that? Why should we get involved in this? I'm asked that question. Uh, here's here's where I go. I'm curious why why you think we should do this. Um, but here's where I go with this. We were talking beforehand, Lisa, before we started recording, that there are these kind of, for me, these two bookends the growth of the church once the gentiles are grafted in right so the, the gentiles really through um chapters 8 through 12 we're getting a picture of the gentiles being welcomed into the family of god um slowly with 
Philip's work in uh, in going through Samaria and, and people, the Samaritans coming to Christ, and then uh, Philip ends up in Caesarea. Peter comes behind him at the behest of Cornelius, and you see the first full Gentile family really come to Christ. Ethiopian eunuch has been led to Christ by uh, by Philip. Um, you're starting to see these snippets, and then kaboom, the church in Antioch it explodes. And in, in chapter 13, uh, things have been going so well that the the church in Jerusalem is like, we got to figure out what's going on in Antioch. We're hearing these reports. They send Barnabas. Barnabas just goes and starts encouraging people, seeing what's going on. He's like, I need help. So he goes and gets Saul out of Tarsus, brings him to Antioch. By 13, they've got a leadership structure in place already. And here's what I want to read in 13. Verse 1, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. So here's kind of the, the, the first session, if you will, <laughs> of the church of Antioch. Barnabas, who we already know is from Crete. Uh, no, from Cyprus. I apologize. Barnabas is already we know from is from Cyprus. Simeon called Niger, and Niger's a Latinism that has to, that it was a nickname called uh, the nickname was Black, and mm -hmm. scholars believe that's most likely because he was dark skinned. Mm -hmm. Lucius of Cyrene, which is in North Africa, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, the literal Greek there is shared a wet nurse with Herod, and that would have been Herod Antipas. Um, now we don't. That becomes a euphemism to describe somebody who is like a childhood friend. Of, okay. Uh, and so that's Herod Antipas's childhood friend, the very Herod Antipas that um, interrogated Jesus, and Saul, who we know is from Tarsus. Here you have as the leaders these incredible, um, these incredible uh, diverse people who are leading this church. That's the very first Gentile church is already ethnically and and, and culturally diverse. You go to the other bookend, Revelation 7-9, and we see this sea of people before the Lord worshiping on the last day. And there's people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people group. That is the picture of the, of the kingdom of God. And I believe that in this cultural historical moment, and, and I understand that the reason this country is so diverse is, um, frankly, because of a lot of sinful, horrifying things that have happened in the history of this country. But in the 21st century, we have a moment where we can, in a, uh, here's some big words for my theology friends, in a sub-eschatological way, we can reach that eschatological thing. We have a shot at being a picture of what that final day is going to look like. And why would we not pursue that? Why would we not go out of our way to pursue that? How we pursue that may not be uniform, but I think we are united in our desire to see that come to pass. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, I think it's important to kind of, you know, dive into these conversations. One, you, you have two kind of captivities, I think. You have the captivity to the past, or rather the failure of the past. You know, the church, you know, by and large, um, especially southern churches, have failed. There was a, you know, we don't, we, we, we want to look history in the eye and see it for what it was yes um and we have to own up to that but because of that and because of what's been going on with you know issues around police brutality there's this sense and i and i think in some cases almost a fear that what has transpired in the past is still happening now i think that some of it has been exaggerated because people are, because it's an, it's emotional. 
especially if you are an African-American, you know, and you know, like, hey, th this is what my ancestors endured. And so it's almost, it's almost a fear, like we, you know, this is not ending. And my second concern, and why I think that these discussions are important, is because there's also there's then a captivity to how, how we correct it in ways that are not in line with, you know, in accord with that, you know, how God would have us do it in, in relationship to what we see in Scripture, right? So it's, you know, it's fidelity to a Christian world for you, to fidelity to, um, to who Scripture says that we are and, you know, and how things are. Um, and so because there is this, this sense that there's, there's not, you know, there's still issues, we need to correct it, there's, you know, there, and especially in the church, right, we say, we've heard a lot of talk about white evangelical churches and the, you know, the complicity there that still exists and, you know, marginalization that, you know, because this still exists, that there's now an attraction to models and methods that, in my opinion, you know, aren't, aren't really in line mm -hmm. with, aren't really in line with scripture. And so, you know, that's my concern because yeah. there is a way, you know, God, you, when you look at the trajectory of scripture, right, from Genesis to Revelation and how he has interacted and intersected with his creation and the commands that he gave, there was always, even in the Old Testament, from the time that he delivered the people out of out of Egypt, and even before then, look, he called Abraham, who was a sun-worshipping pagan, yep. and gave him this promise, right? Mm -hmm. You know, he gave, and, and you know, and with Noah, not, mm -hmm. right? He's Because he's a merciful God. Yes, amen. Right? And then when he delivered his people, out of Egypt saying, I will be your God and you will be my people. But he told them, okay, since you are, this is how you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Number one, there will be no gods before me, right? And he gave them this whole outline mm -hmm. on how they're supposed to be. There was always this elevation for his people to model yes. to others his character, his glory, and that still persists to today, right? Yes. Under the changed administration, right? Under the new covenant of Jesus Christ, you know, who has fulfilled all, you know, the law and the prophets. But there's still that obligation to his ethos of how we are to operate in the world. And I think that because of the concern, because we just have this awful history um, and the concerns around that, that there is a, an attraction to, to go with other means and other methods. Yeah. And that's why I think that these conversations are important. And, you know, in a way where people can actually have conversations yeah. and people are actually listening and not leaving. Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think those are, those are fair concerns. I think that, and, and this is, this is maybe foreshadowing where, where we have some of this disagreement going forward. That's going to get teased out, mm -hmm. but teased out within the context of we love each other in the Lord. And we're bound together by Christ, you know. Is um, 
you, you, you've talked about these other kind of these secular or worldly ways of trying to confront the problem. Well, here's here's the thing that we where we already have agreement. We see there's a problem and we see there's a goal. Um, we know where the Lord is leading us. We know we know the beauty of the kingdom of God in all of its multi-ethnic, multicultural diversity. Look at what God is doing. Like this, this kingdom's incredible, and that is a work of Jesus Christ. And we agree in that. We love that. Um, one of my elders, we were having this conversation. One of my elders said something interesting. Um, and for those of you who don't know, we're, we're both Presbyterians, and so we sit under the authority of a session. And so one of my elders said this. He said, "For so often." Christians have, in, in taking a moral stand, been taking that stand in the face of a culture that doesn't want to hear it, right? So you think about the issue of abortion. You think of the issue of, uh, of divorce or, or homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, he said what's, what may be weird is that we've conflated being faithful to the Lord with being contrary to the culture. Mm-hmm. But in this instance, is it possible that the culture is moving in a positive direction and we are also trying to take a stand and it's weird for us that the culture and the church might be on the same page in fact that the church might be lagging behind a little bit on this issue and that we have so conflated being anti today's culture with being right that when we're right and with the culture it feels really 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 weird and so that's i think an interesting insight because it demonstrates that the culture's desire to see equality among the different ethnicities in this country is a good thing. Now, we can have discussions about how we get there, but can we at least not acknowledge that they're in the right direction? And I think this as well, this is where we have some disagreement. If the world comes up with methods or insights, even sociological insights that are helpful in our drive to get there, Ought we not glean and learn and even be willing to use those paradigms for the glory of God? Um, that's a very Kyperian way of approaching this. I know about, you know, let's redeem this for the kingdom. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to hesitate from saying that is probably the stream of Christianity that I am most comfortable in. That's the stream of reformed thought that I'm most comfortable with, recognizing how badly Kuiper failed at this very thing in South Africa. Um, but I, I think... You know, when we look at these different paradigms that are out there, our goal in the end is to see the glory of Christ in his kingdom. Um, and so while you're, you're much more hesitant to use some of these paradigms than I am, mm-hmm. I think another point of agreement is we still have the same goal in mind. We're still right. united in our goal. Right. And just, a, you know, an FYI, I, you know, I, I believe I am more Kyperian in my theology as well. But at the end of the day, I have to ask, is it consistent? Sure. You know, is it consistent with biblical fidelity? And I think that's 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 where I have that's where I have a problem, particularly in the application yeah. of some of these some of these paradigms. I have to say and I have to look at that and I have to look at what scripture says mm-hmm. you know, in terms of who we're supposed to be and I'm, and there's a disconnect for me. Absolutely and I get right? that. Yeah. And and I think but here's what here's what I would want to also make sure our listeners hear. I also want to take all of those paradigms that the world might be working with and filter them through scripture. Like scripture must be the ultimate authority on all of these issues or we're going down the wrong path. Amen. Um, because here, and I'm going to go back to John 6, just where you were. All the disciples are deserting Jesus. They're all deserting Jesus, right? And he turns 
And he looks at his disciples, all 12 of them, and says, Do you want to leave too? You don't. You, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to who shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. We are going to have to, at every step, and I know we're in agreement here, filter everything that we're going to talk about on race and ethnicity and social justice through Jesus Christ who has the word of life. Amen. It is the scriptures that become the final arbiter on how we approach these issues. Amen. Any last words for our uh, listeners as we head towards diving into some contentious <laughs> stuff in season three? You know, I would say, again, back to being, back to the humility and mercy. To be merciful. Mm. To humble ourselves um, about, you know, listen well. What What is the person actually saying? And, and I think this has been a problem. As soon as you throw out a few buzzwords, bam, there goes that label. Yep. And now all of a sudden they're like, oh, I don't want to listen to you because you're one of them. Mm -hmm. Find out where people are actually coming from. Yes. Yes. Language is uh, very important in these conversations. Definitions are very important in these conversations. And I, mm -hmm. I, I want to echo exactly what you just said. If you disagree or you think you disagree with the things that you're hearing, I, one of us say, either you or me, lean in and ask, what do they actually mean by this right. language? What are they actually trying to say? And then, listen, as Lisa said, we're both fallible. Measure everything that we say through the grid of the, of the Holy Scriptures. Um, talk to, you know, if, if, if you're thinking, uh, I'm not sure I'm wrestling, I'm trying to figure out, you know, they both bring in different approaches and different paradigms. I don't know which, which way to go. Talk to your church leaders. Talk to your church leaders. Have the conversations with your pastor. Have the conversations with the elders. Talk to talk to men and women that you love and, and you know are, are wise followers of Jesus Christ. Um, because you better believe we're, we're both doing the same thing. <laughs> and absolutely. And, the, and recognize, too, that we all have our own blind spots. Mm -hmm. Right? And be willing to, you know, to examine ourselves, to be examine our own positions. Like, hey, am I... Am I taking this position too, am I being too dogmatic about this particular position where, where there can be nuance, Amen. right? Um, and again, because when it comes to us navigating through this world, it can get messy. And in particularly with these issues that we have facing us now. That's right. Amen. Well, Lisa, I am very excited to be diving into this topic. Thank you for being willing to go there with me. I'm so glad to be having these conversations with you. Thank you, everyone who is listening. Um, share this far and wide. We hope to demonstrate how to disagree well, even when talking through issues of race and ethnicity. It is possible in Jesus Christ. We look forward to these conversations. We will see you again next week in season three of Family Discussion. Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's family discussion. If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus, including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. 
Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next Family Discussion.